Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. No, I want this town to be near you. This is Monica Perez. I'm in for Mark Aram tonight. Hoping you're having a nice drive home or a stress-free time if you're working. Launching the weekend, if that's where you're headed, headed out of town, maybe for spring break. Battling the pollen and the traffic. But if you don't, uh, if you haven't heard my show, I'm the Libertarian on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. And because I'm a libertarian, which means basically not everybody says it's social, social liberal and fiscal conservative. That's not correct. To quote the great Harry Brown, I believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times. But I also happen to believe that our government is a pathocracy working against us and not actually doing what it's supposed to do, which is to protect our rights. So I'm outside the two-party system. I think it's kind of a scam to keep us thinking that there's somebody fighting the good fight. But what I can do, because I'm outside of that, but I still have the principles that are uh, the basic rights that are enshrined in the Constitution or just God-given, pretty obvious in my opinion, The only law is don't touch me or my stuff. Everything else should stem from that. But because I can see I'm outside the parties, I can actually hold the feet to the fire of Republicans who say one thing and do another. And in this case, what we're talking about today is Lindsey Graham spearheading the move to really manipulate states because he says the feds don't have the federal the people don't have the appetite for federal laws doing this yet. They're called red flags, flag laws. And if you think somebody's uh, mentally ill, if you claim that somebody's mentally ill, you or law enforcement can take that person's case to the uh, judge and have that person's rights restricted and including taking their guns away, maybe even incarcerating them, but without a jury trial of peers. So this is... It's it's really a totalitarian approach where the government can, you know, you have to believe that that every single actor in government is independent and trustworthy and in good faith and really there to protect your rights. But we know that's not true. So. I object to these laws strenuous strenuously, but I don't. You don't hear the left or the right covering them because the left likes them and the right doesn't want to throw Republicans under the bus. That's why it takes a Republican to do stuff like this because they have what what is called right cover. But we were actually uh, in this conversation. We started a little bit ago. I'm here with my producer and sidekick Binkley. Before the break, we got a call about um, or the the caller said he wanted to talk about the movie Minority Report where you can arrest somebody and maybe even execute them for pre-crime. They they know you're going to do it. And these are movements that are underway already. 
I know that they they have these systems. Atlanta has a big system like this where they use digital information to to iterate to where they should go to stop a crime before it happens. Now, I think policing. What is it called? Smart Smart policing. policing. See, good old fashioned police work. You know, the beat cop was doing that all along. But I actually think it's just an excuse to get absolute total surveillance and not for your protection. But for their for their other purposes, and I think their purposes are actually much bigger than that. I think their purposes, if you go and look at things like the UN Agenda 2030 or the World Economic Forum website, where who hosts the Davos Switzerland meeting or the Bosch Foundation is another big one, smart cities, sustainable cities, any of that stuff, all points to this this vision of a highly controlled future and our rights especially our gun rights are not a part of that. And that's what I think all of this is leading to. I want to get to some calls. Uh, Binkley, did you, what's your, um, you had two cents or a headline? What were you going to? There was a headline yesterday that I saw that says, despite public outcry, the Department of Defense is, quote, absolutely unapologetic about pursuing a new generation of AI-powered weapons. Robocops? Is that what I'm supposed to infer I believe it's a... uh, (laughs) Army of unstoppable uh, robots, yeah. Right. And if, I mean, if that's not the first iteration, it's definitely one of the iterations. So let's follow on that theme. I want to go to Warren on the phones. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Hey, Warren, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica, this is Warren. Hey. What you got? Um, I was standing there working the customer service counter, and two guys were discussing their jobs, and... I overheard, I'm a very observant person, and the one guy left, and I reiterated to him to clarify, he was working on a project with a software company whereby you could gain a search warrant over the Internet without going before a judge. It would be, I guess, transferred to the judge via the Internet. Wow, so you you're not 100% sure there's a judge on the other line on the other end of that or maybe it's just you know what boxes to check and it just gets automatically approved like what are you you have to provide evidence to get a search warrant whether it's you know affidavit or what and you're going to be like sending him a, a gif or something of what somebody sent you you know it's yeah and one last step removed from Last week, we we talked about Binkley here had a a headline from Estonia where, what was it, small claims judges were going to be AI? Is that right, Binkley? Yes. So, so Warren, what I'm saying is that you're saying they can just, I, I consider, it's like electronic voting instead of a paper ballot. They can tell you that that black box is doing something, but... You don't really know, and the way things like the FISA court work, stuff that's that's really secret, there there's like 100% approval rate. You could do it that way. So if they combine your online search warrant thing with these AI judges, and a lot of times this stuff gets incubated in other countries, I think, and comes back here because we have these like well-defined rights that are hard to topple over. They're not going to start here. They're going to end here. But yeah, I I feel like it all it, it's headed towards this highly controlled future, and that the things that we're focusing on, the Mueller report, whatever, it doesn't really matter because it's not about Trump and they're after get him and it's a witch hunt. 
even the right is saying, well, there is Russian interference in our elections. It's just that there was no collusion. So let's control social media. Let's centralize the vote. I mean, do you, Warren, would you take this one step further? And and think that I, I think that the the internet is no place for a, a judicial process. Uh, right. I, I suspect that there is going to be a lot lost, just like photoshopping or anything. That yeah, you know, possibly... I, I want to pick up on that. Thank you very much for the call. I uh, I think for me, this it's it's a lot like the voting thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with paper ballots. I mean, there's just you literally everybody can put it together in a room, fold up your piece of paper, put it in a shoebox, and bring it to City Hall and watch it counted. I mean, I've voted in places where you vote in somebody's house. And I'm not saying like that I voted in a shoebox, but I'm saying it's not, it's possible to do it decentralized because everybody who wants to vote will contribute to the process. And, And I would take it one step further and say, if you can't actually, if they're like, well, the system is overwhelmed. Why is the system overwhelmed? Because you have too many laws. If you're going to have a law that's going to take away somebody's rights, it better be a crime that somebody committed against somebody's rights. The law is, the only law in my opinion, don't touch me or my stuff. So if somebody's going to touch you or your stuff, that's something that can be punished by loss of liberty or property or rights. And that needs a jury trial of peers. And then you would not have the system overwhelmed if you kept the laws within the realm of legitimate law. And then you can have these. And you're right. It's about people. It's personal. There, It's not a digital. We're not digital. And the experience needs to be uh, laws have been handed down. Don't let anyone fool you into the, things are different now. Where people are different, society is different. Our our fundamental legal architecture, as Michael Chertoff said, needs to change. No, it does not. Uh, I'm going to go to Bob. Bob, you are on with Monica. Hi, Bob. Hello, Monica. Uh, I'm in compliance with the no hands law, so I'm not sure how your reception is. It's good. It's good. Go with it. That's great. Listen, I. I uh, would add to your objections against the red flag law and the fact that it's it's also, uh, you know, it's, uh, in, on top of all the other things that's wrong with it, it's redundant. Most states, and the state of Georgia in particular, has a process by which if you think somebody's got uh, mental issues and they're a danger to themselves or others, they can go and see the magistrate judge and take a two-party affidavit, and they can swear before the judge that you're a danger to yourself or, or others, and then the judge can issue an order that the police will take you into custody for a mental evaluation. You know so, what, Bob, you know what I think the difference might be is in, and this is really important, this all started with Parkland in Florida, which has the Baker Act, where they can take you into custody for three days. But their objection to that is that somebody in your family has to do that or or maybe some other group. So this kid, this guy they say did it, he had no family. So so they wanted to say that law enforcement was aware, but nobody in his personal life pressed those charges or took that up. So they are trying to make it so that law enforcement can do it without any personal witness. That, what do you think of that? that understanding of the red flag law. The red flag law 
is basically your neighbor, who may not think anybody should own a gun, can decide that uh, they don't like the way you're behaving and that you must be dangerous because you've got a gun, and they go to the police and tell the police to to uh, come get you. And yeah, no, yes. There's a judge involved, and there's no other party involved. And in Georgia, you don't have to be a relative of the person. Right. I think the way it actually works, so I was listening to this hearing of Lindsey Graham, and we can play some clips from it, where he said there's no appetite for this law on a federal level. So we want to make incentives for states to pass the laws that they basically can get away with in their own states. So, yes, they want your family to do it. They want your friends to do it. But I think an essential element is that they don't even want it to be that far. They want the government itself to be able to identify you and then take it to a judge and uh, make it stick. This is Monica Perez, 800-WSB-TALK. And uh, and let's really get to the heart of what Lindsey Graham's actually saying. It's scary. Mark Aram on 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. This is Monica Perez in for Mark Aram. I'm the Libertarian Voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. You can hear me tomorrow. I tend to go down the rabbit hole. I'm always seeing some deeper uh, shadowy issue behind the news. And and I just, I'm not backing off that position. I think there is a lot more than sees, uh, that meets the eye from what we're told in the media and uh, among the politicians. So I do think there's sinister intent behind Lindsey Graham spearheading these red flag laws, they call them. You want to get your arms around, you want to embrace it because they say if somebody has mental health issues, they shouldn't have guns. That's where they start start with. But I want to get into what's wrong with that basic premise at the bottom of the hour. Right now, I do want to play a little clip from the hearing that Lindsey Graham chaired this week Touching on, on what what a little bit of what's afoot. Can I, Binkley? May I please have clip two? This hearing today is to examine red flag laws, for uh, lack of a better term. We're trying to identify people in our communities that are exhibiting uh, pretty extreme behavior in terms of mental health issues, where they become a danger to themselves and others and allow law enforcement and sometimes family members to go to a court to say this person needs some help and we need to stop violence before it occurs. There will be a robust due process component. We'll have a witness to talk about the kind of due process you need to make such a determination. So that's the thing. They talk about due process, but I don't buy it. I have an example, Colorado law here. I want to tell you about it after the break to give you a taste of what they're really talking about. 800-WSB-TALK. You can call 404-872-0750. This is Monica Perez. This hour of the Mark Aram Show brought to you by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Normally Saturdays from 3 to 6, and I am on tomorrow from 3 to 6. I'm in for Aram right now, Friday night. I'd like to say ready to let my hair down for the weekend, but I've got more terrific libertarian insights for you coming tomorrow, so I'll have to keep it cool. 
But uh, I do hope you're going to have a good time, and I'm going to try to ease you into that, your drive home tonight. Maybe you're driving out of town on spring break, battling the traffic and the pollen. Uh, so, But we are talking about a serious matter. And we're talking about, in my my view, it's a the both parties or whoever is behind both parties. You can think of it simply as money people or globalists or whoever. There's powers that be, and I feel like there isn't one party that's on our side and one party that works for them. There's that famous famous book and quote, "Tragedy and Hope" by Carol Quigley, where the guy. Uh, it was Bill Clinton's mentor and so much more reveals. He said, we, we control both of the parties. It just, when you want to throw your bums out, we have other bums to put in. And that's why they end up in this center. I call it the liberal fascist center where it's yes to all welfare, all social control, all warfare, everything. So invade every country, jack up the debt, censor, surveil, take the guns away. That's why, it doesn't surprise me that the Republicans are spearheading an effort to get states to pass these red flag laws where law enforcement can get uh, can pursue legal action to get somebody's guns taken away based on a mental health pronouncement from the court. So you're not getting a jury trial, but you are losing your rights. And to me, that's not due process. They talked about there is due process. It's there, there is a process but it's not the process that is due to you under the Constitution. So don't fall for that. But what I wanted to say earlier, what I mentioned before the break, is the in Colorado, for example, there's a law. I'm not sure if it's passed yet, but, the, but it, it was in the paper, and I'll tell you why. That the judge decides on a preponderance of the evidence uh, if a person poses a significant risk to himself or others by having firearms in his or her custody. Now, some people would mention would say that everybody poses a significant risk to everybody else if they have firearms. You know what I mean? It's like a very nebulous measure. And if it's a mental health issue, I've seen thousands. I actually saw a supposed study from England. The study was not very impressive when you finally could could click through to it but it talked about the the vast mental incapacities of people who believe in conspiracy theories but what's a conspiracy theory i mean rico which is the foundation of basically most federal law is simply conspiracy alone is the crime when you read the stuff about Lori lachlan or the college scandals and Cohen, Michael Cohen, like all these, if you look at what they're charged with, it's almost always starts with conspiracy. Conspiracies are real. They're, they're sinister. And, uh, and believing that they exist is just a natural consequence of observing the world around you. So I'm not buying that. But what I loved about this Colorado story is that Fremont County passed a resolution declaring itself a Second Amendment sanctuary county, that they would support their law enforcement for not enforcing this law if it came down. They are not going to hold their sheriff accountable for not confiscating people's guns. So it's, in my opinion, it's county nullification, which I think is fantastic. I think that's how I actually object to the Supreme Court having the power to decide what the Constitution says and imposing that decision on the states based on Congress passing what we might deem unconstitutional laws. 
I think the better remedy is state nullification. We just aren't going to enforce it. But you know how they get around that, that the FBI was not in the Constitution. That was a later addition. It's only about 100 years old. When, when the feds have domestic law enforcement, it allows the Supreme Court to make those pronouncements. But I believe in this subsidiarity, this lower, this decentralized ability to nullify uh, these laws that take away our rights. Uh, I'm going to take a call. And then Binkley, my producer, uh, I think we didn't play clip seven yet, right? Let's think about clip seven. And I'm gonna, it, what it is is Lindsey Graham talking about really his method of trying to cram this stuff down our throats. So in the meanwhile, I'm going to go to Dave in Woodstock. Hi, Dave. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I just wanted to let you know, because I used to work in that field, in Florida, it's called a Baker Act. Here in Georgia, it's referred to as a 1013. But the Baker Act in Florida requires a law enforcement officer, if he observes someone that is their behavior is harmful to themselves or others, he's required to take that person into custody. Now, he's not taking them to jail. He's taking them to a psychiatric intake facility for a 72-hour evaluation. And the same thing happens in a hospital. If we have somebody come into the emergency room who's overdosed on something or is cutting themselves or whatever, they're required, the staff is required to call law enforcement so that, again, law enforcement can take them into custody and have them transferred to an intake facility. Yeah, I I am. My sister actually experienced that. It was not pretty. Uh so, yes, I'm familiar with that. Sorry, I, maybe I stated it wrong. I was watching the, I guess, I don't know if, who it was from, maybe it was the governor of Florida, I can't remember, but it was in this, this, I played a clip earlier of Trump and Pence about a year ago talking about these red flag laws, and Trump said, well, take the guns without due process, and Pence was like, well, we'll have some process. But the Florida representative there said, about the Baker Act, they do that, and then at the end of the three days, they are required. Now, he said they're required to give the people's guns back, but if I do understand the Baker Act correctly, they're actually incarcerating the people involuntarily for three days where they just don't have access to their guns. So I'm guessing that what he was saying is, is the Baker Act, I don't think the Baker Act has a, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, has a specific provision of, like, confiscating guns from their home, certainly not permanently. No, no. Right, so this is a specific... It's it's only to take the person out of that situation. Right. Again, they're not taking them to jail. They're not incarcerating them, but they are confining them. They are remanding them to... Yeah, I think it's a valid... I mean, I have to... If I find stuff like this isn't easy to make a knee-jerk decision about... It's not really conducive. You know, so I would, if I I would look at the law, I would think about it. But my first reaction or kind of my gut reaction is, and it's a very established legal idea. If there is an exigent threat, I guess it's called, or imminent, you know, something that's happening right then, you have to make a decision or somebody's going to get hurt. uh, Yes, you can 
you can break into some place or you can look for something or you can take something or take someone. I think that's a you know well-established legal principle about like emergency situations. And I don't really object to that. I think that this takes it to where they're actually targeting gun ownership and the loss of liberty without what I would call due process. So I, I think an exigent thing we could quibble about a few days here or there. I don't like it. I, d- I definitely do not like waiting laws, gun laws that they make you wait, because I think the majority of cases are women who think their husbands are going to come home and beat them to death and they got to wait. <laughs> you know, people die when they have waiting laws like that. But as far as what you're talking about, I don't str- strenuously object to that. Not without further consideration, but to, I mean, to take the guns away from people because of an all government process. What do you think about that? I swore you know, note to defend yeah. the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I yeah. strongly object. Yeah. And I, and I would take it further and say, you know, we focus on the Second Amendment. We really do, and I appreciate that. But a lot of this stuff goes to the, the Fifth Amendment and the Sixth Amendment, and even the Eighth Amendment, which is like unusual punishments. And, uh, you know, fourth about the searches, people were really talking about that a lot. But people aren't talking enough, I think, about the Fifth and the Sixth Amendment, which is where that due process stuff comes in. Because with due process... Then, then somebody's guilt or incapacity can be adjudicated on a case-by-case basis by a jury of your peers or with the protections that we know about and have control over. So, I mean, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a strict defender of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and, and not that I think it's an infallible uh, document, I absolutely look at what it created. It created the biggest government of all time, probably. It's just that those protections in the Bill of Rights are are like kind of humanity's last hope with before a dark age of tyranny, in my opinion. So I'm not I'm not calling for the revolution until I kick the can as far down as I can. And that's not only preserving the Second Amendment, but the other amendments, too. I'm going to take one more call before the break. I'm going to Rhonda in Atlanta. Rhonda, you're on with Monica. Hi. Good evening, Monica. Well, as a mom of five children and someone who's experienced where their schools, kids' schools have had people saying there was a shooter, active shooter, or whatever, I really don't care if they take people's guns. Personally, if there's too many times where kids have been shot in the school where you can't even go to church anymore without somebody shooting you at church. Guns are out of control. You can't go to church without people shooting you. No, but um, don't you think it's weird? No, I just want to ask you something. Don't you think it's weird that there's been this massive surge in those incidents over the past decade? It's weird, right? It is weird. I mean, most of the time, I mean, to be honest with you, the whole thing is a bunch of bull because depending on what nationality you is, is depending on how they classify you as a shooter. So if you're a Muslim, then you're a terrorist. If you're African-American, then you're a thug. And if you're white, you're mentally ill. But I don't really care what nationality you are. I personally, if they got to take your gun for a month, two months, or whatever, and my kids are going to be safe, and my family can go to church without being shot, I don't care about you being inconvenienced without your gun. You do you live- think that would really that would really do it? You think you could really enforce a negative, get everybody's guns? Or don't? wouldn't it be... Are you open to the suggestion that 
that an armed populace would actually result in fewer of those crimes? I pers- I just think there's too many guns out there. And and, and even if, I think they should even ban the guns that are automatic. We can shoot hundreds of bullets. There's no reason for an individual to have those. So I don't I'm, think I'm you're going to th- stop that, though. It's like it's like having a swimming pool and having a little kid. You got to teach the kid to swim because you're not going to be able to watch them 100 percent of the time. Printers can print guns. I understand that. But I like I said, I know that you. some people are saying that this whole um, red flag thing may, you know, people may, who are not mentally ill may be it may be abused. But to me, if those people lose their guns for a month or two or even a year and they and they find out that they're not mentally ill and give them back, I don't have a problem with it. But if you really think someone's dangerous, I'd rather for you to take their guns and then be mad or inconvenient than for my okay. child to be on the other end of that gun. I Thank you so much, Rhonda. I have to take a break, but I'm going to rebut, uh, give you my answer to what you had to say right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Mark Aram on 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We're trying to balance the right to own a gun under the Second Amendment with mental health issues that are far too prevalent in society and we do not have enough capability to deal with the problem. And there are times, like in the Parkland case, where if the law enforcement community had these tools, they could intervene and they could do something about it. And my hope is that what we will do up here in Washington is I think passing a federal law is probably beyond what the market will bear, but create an incentive at the federal level for states who want to go down this road, making sure that the laws are meaningful and that there's due process for the due process for the people who may be on the, the, the in the court situation, but try to give a nod to the states that this is working in some states, come up with an idea that's unique to your state, and if you do it in a certain way, uh, the federal government will incentivize you. And I think that's the best way, at least initially, to solve this problem. It's like the drinking age and highway funds. If they decide to cram that down on the states, because that's the only way to get their policy passed, it's subverting the will of the people. Now, Rhonda said before the break that she would want someone to lose their guns for a couple of months to keep her kids safe. But what she, her underlying assumption is that you can trust that that's what the government's really trying to do. I think this is just the beginning. And then you have no power. But we can continue this conversation tomorrow on the Monica Perez Show, 3 o'clock, 3 to 6, right here on WSB. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.